So not only did I have to deal with dad being sick and my family being pretty destroyed by it, but I'd be like, what's like this? How do you explain this? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because we kind of disappeared for a while, um, I got a lot of flack online. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of people who are like, oh yeah, she's taken over her brand, uh, her dad's brand. She's, I don't know. Like it, Twitter was a nasty, Twister, Twitter can be a nasty place. Yeah, so there's a lot of just like me, the portrayal was me going out and partying and taking over dad's brand and forcing him on an all meat diet while he's sick. Mm. And that was like, normally I don't really care about things online, but because my parents were so sick, I was like, this is bad. Like this hurts. And if he doesn't get better, then I'm going to get blamed. Yo, what's good, everybody? This is Hafiz, and welcome back to another episode, guys. I am beyond excited about our newest roommate because I was introduced to this lovely lady years ago. As you guys know from the title, I'm a huge fan of her father, but I met her a couple years ago. It's actually a very interesting story how I met her. I'll probably tell it to you in a little bit. But I met her a couple years ago. She has been one of the nicest, friendliest people. She was always just so um, engaging and somebody who was extremely helpful. And she, she has her own podcast, saw her doing dope work. We were in Austin. I said, we absolutely have to link up and bring her on the podcast. So she's here. So without further ado, welcome to the podcast, the one and only Michaela Peterson. Michaela, what up? Wow. Thank you so much for that intro. <laughs> no problem. That was great. No problem. So want to know how I um, how I met you? Yeah, I do. Okay. So 2018, I was starting the podcast. Ben came on and Ben was like, whatever you need, I got you. He was he just, he just found a liking to me, uh, Ben Shapiro, uh, found a liking to me. So I was like, all right, great. And so, you know, talking to him here and there, you know, I never want to be the guy who's always asking for too much. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if someone says they're going to help. Hey, why not? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? if it's Ben. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, man, I have a dream, Ben, uh, Mr. Shapiro. <laughs> and my dream is I want to get Dr. Jordan Peterson on my podcast. It'd be a dream of mine. I got to get him on the podcast. So, you know what? I'll help you out. I'll reach out to his people, this, that, and the third. And, uh, you know, connect me to him. So I think he sent an email to the the assistant before the woman who got pregnant recently. Rebecca. Yeah, before uh, Rebecca. Yeah, yeah. The one before Rebecca. <laughs> he sent an email to the person. I was like, you know, trying to connect. And they were like, yeah, you know, he's, you know, kind of out of commission right now because of the tour, this, that, and the third. So maybe later. So I was like, man, this sucks. And I and every for weeks, I would go back to the email and just read <laughs> in frustration. And then one day. I just said, let me just read it one more time. I read the email one more time at the bottom. I saw that Ben had forwarded the email to you. <laughs> and then at the bottom of your header, I saw your phone number. <laughs> That's how that happened. And so yeah. I was like, you know what? Let me just try. <laughs> so I reached out to you. We was able to connect. You were so friendly. You were so kind. And then, and obviously throughout the years, always check on you and the family. And so, no, I think, I think to me what I love the most about you, uh, what you stand for, what your dad stands for, is that some people you meet, their characters online. And they're super amazing, super fun, super great online. But then you meet them in person. 
you're not the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I really sure. feel like you and your father both embody people who are amazing individuals online and really impact a lot of lives. But at the same time, in person, you guys are genuine, honest, authentic people. So I wanted wow. to share that with you. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> no problem. Oh, that's really nice. No problem. So, Michaela, I know who you are. So for those who don't know who you are, can you give a bit of an elevator pitch synopsis about you, yourself? Okay. Ele- <laughs> elevator pitch. So I have my own podcast, Michaela Peterson Podcast. And one of the things I focused on in that podcast is a series called Opposing Views, mm. where I talk about a contentious subject, so something people argue over so like abortion or gun rights or COVID or vaccines and then I'll have an expert on one side come on and talk about it and then an expert on the other side uh that I've found really interesting yes I love it yeah yeah. so that's fun so that's what I'm doing uh I also run my dad's like brand management I guess you could say so that's like online products PR and then the finances that have to do with that, the podcast production, social media. So that actually takes up the majority of my time. I've been doing the podcast on the side, but it's growing. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm writing a book. I have a daughter. I have a four-year-old daughter, Scarlett. Shout out, Scarlett. Yeah. <laughs> and I think a lot of people probably have heard of me online because of the lion diet, which is this all-meat diet I'm on for an autoimmune disorder. Okay. So that's the that's the elevator pitch. That was a short form version. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So there's so many directions I feel like this episode is going to go today. <laughs> and but I want to start I want to start from the very beginning because I think um a lot of people know of you, but they know of you like you were born at like 22. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? Like it is oh there you come and there she is, but I want I want to go back. I want to go back. So Michaela Peterson, 13 years old. Where are you living? Who are you? Who are you? What are you doing? I want to know that person. Okay, at 13, I was in Toronto. Okay. So um, I was born in Montreal. And then when dad worked at Harvard, we were in Boston and then moved to Toronto when I was How long were we living seven. in Boston for? Three years. Okay. Just when I was really little, okay. just for kindergarten. Okay. Then we moved to Toronto. So at 13, I was in Toronto. Uh, I was at an alternative school. Because I didn't go to the like regular. I went to like all the art art schools. Okay. The alternative okay. middle school, okay. art school, and then university was an art school for a while too. Okay. Uh, and I was in pretty rough shape, I think, up until I was about twenty, well, five really. But at a, as a thirteen-year-old, I was on a lot of medications. I had an autoimmune disorder. I was experiencing chronic fatigue. So I had a pretty good life, other than the fact that I was very ill Mm. so art school drawing dancing a lot of reading because i couldn't i couldn't do as many things i think as other people Mm. i was in dance but i suffered a lot in dance. (laughs) i was like i'll just suffer through it (laughs) but that was that's a little picture of 13. okay so the auto so the autoimmune disease when did that start like fleshing up in your life uh probably around two and mm. I had symptoms. My okay. mom noticed I was limping around when I was two okay. and I didn't get diagnosed until I was seven. Okay. And then I was diagnosed with juvenile idiopathic arthritis almost everywhere yeah. except for my spine. And that's like autoimmune disorders are impossible to get under control. Mm. Like there's medications for it, but they don't particularly work. Mm. So I was on a lot of medication, but I was still pretty sick. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Cause I remember I was reading when I was reading your father's book, um, 
I have a funny story about that, but that's for another conversation. <laughs> I was reading your dad's book, and I was reading about, you know, your experiences, and I was like, man, this girl went through a lot yeah. at a young age. And I don't think a lot of people um, can even fathom that idea of being so young and doing, going through so much medicines, going through so many doctors, and having to go through so much specialists, but then at the same time wanting to be and do what everybody yeah. else is doing. How how did you emotionally handle that where you couldn't there was a there was a mental life you wanted to live that your physical body wouldn't avail you to live it. Yeah. I think it's I think it's different when you get sick as a kid because when you get sick as an adult, you have your adult life and then there's an obvious switch into being sick or if you get injured and then there's a lot of frustration cuz you're like, okay, I, I was living like this and now I'm uh, living at a lower level and I need to get back to that. Um, because I was sick from such a young age, I, I didn't really have that normal mm. life. So I don't think there was as much frustration because it wasn't like something I lost. It was just how I lived. However, it was definitely frustrating when there was a direct comparison. So in grade two, for instance, um, I was sitting on a chair in the classroom instead of sitting on the carpet with the rest of the kids because mm. I couldn't cross my legs or sit on my knees. Mm. And so when there was that kind of comparison, it was like, okay, I don't like this. And when I was really little, I remember like arthritis is an old person's disease. Yeah. Like how do I have, just like as a little kid, <laughs> yeah. I was like, how do I have an old person's disease? Like don't tell anyone. Yeah. So I remember my little brother was like, tell people I had arthritis and I was really angry. I was like, don't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't understand what it is. Yeah. So there was a lot of frustration, I think, but like I said, because there was no like baseline to go back to, I mm. think it could would have been a lot worse, weirdly enough, getting that as an adult. Yeah, so that makes that makes a lot of sense. And so, so I believe um, went to went to high school in Toronto, and then you went to college where Montreal. Montreal. I went back to Montreal. Oh, went to, yeah. back to Montreal. It's cheaper. Okay. So if you're if you're born in in Quebec or in, if you're born in Quebec as a Canadian, mm-hmm. it, it's like a third of the price to go to oh. university there oh, if wow. you live there. And okay. because I was born there, I didn't have to prove that I had been living there. Oh, so it was way cheaper. Yeah. So what was college like for you? <clears throat> college was a kind of debaucherous. I was <laughs> like, like, I'd finally, I got away from, I just had my hip and ankle replaced. Mm. So I'd been out of commission for like a year and a half, really out of commission, like at home on the couch, not able to walk. Yeah. And when that when that finally healed, kind of, when that got better, I was like, okay, that's when the frustration really mounted. I was like, I want to go out. I've missed out on some of the teenage years. Like my parties, have, my uh, friends have been out partying. I've been stuck at home on the couch. So when I went away to university, it was like, oh, frosh and all yeah. these things. And so it was rough. And I got much sicker in university. So I, I had um, major depressive disorder for most of my life. And then in university, it just kicked up a notch. Mm. So it was the drinking. I think it was the change in diet. I went from eating like my mom's cooked food to literally just like noodles all the time (laughs) and pizza and beer. (laughs) And so I got quite a bit sicker. That and that pretty much was the first year and a half. Like I gained, I pro, I think I gained. You know, there's the freshman fifteen. Yeah, I think yeah. I gained thirty pounds oh, in wow. a year, and I, I went from being like stick thin yeah. to just kind of chubby and being like, "What is happening? I don't understand. I'm not doing anything differently. I was. I was eating differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so university was a lot of drinking, like way too much drinking, mm. maybe four times a week. Yeah. And I know a lot of people do that, but I think 
that's also what made me feel better. Like I was chronically fatigued and when I drank, I had energy mm. and I was like, okay, drinking makes me feel better. Obviously not a good long-term solution, <laughs> but that was the yeah. first year and a half or yeah. so of university. Yeah. Okay. So was, I feel like you and your dad experienced this huge life transformation. What year were you in university when your dad kind of came on the scene on like in regards to like the internet and all that stuff? Yeah. So I was, I was in university. I was 23. That was 2016. Mm -hmm. So yeah, life got super, super, super weird. Yeah. He, he's always had like, he's had this major depressive disorder too. And he had some autoimmune symptoms that were, weren't exactly diagnosed, but psoriasis that was diagnosed. And um, we started dieting that this, this has relevance, but we, we, I started dieting to try and get better because I was on seven medications and they weren't working and I was getting sicker. And at some point I was like, Oh, this isn't going to work. Right. Yeah. I need to figure out something else because the medical system isn't working for me. So I, I went on this like really restrictive paleo diet and my autoimmune symptoms improved in like three months, my chronic fatigue and my I had rashes I was suffering from that all improved but I think the most obvious symptom was the chronic fatigue mm -hmm. I'd been taking Adderall just to wake up in the morning wow and my dad who was always super 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 skeptical about anything mm -hmm. that was like alternative or, or diet related or alternative really um like looked at me and was like oh, she's not taking Adderall anymore I'd been taking Adderall for years to wake up I was like I'm full of energy I looked different I was less pale, like I looked less sick. And I was like, dad, like you've got to get on this diet because maybe it'll help your depression. Cause we had like familial, we thought it was genetic familial depression. Mm. And he went on that and he lost, he lost like 60 pounds. This was 2015. Wow. And then he got like, he lost a bunch of weight and his, he, he got a little bit clearer I think like when he started lecturing, you can watch lectures. This is really interesting. You can watch lectures from 2015 and then you can watch lectures from 2016 and you can just see that they're, they're clearer. Mm. The lectures from 2015 are still great, yeah. but there's a difference. And when that happened, uh, he was complaining about the universities and the, and the HR companies taking over and like just kind of political correctness seeping in. And he was freaking out about it at home, like, freaking out about it. And my mom at some point was like, just go put it on the internet. Like, he's like, you know what? Okay, I will. Yeah. And, he, and he made this video professor against political correctness and put it up in, I think that was, I think that was 2016. It might've been fall 2015, but it was around that time. And that went viral. Mm. And after that, like things just never normalized. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick pause from this week's episode to talk to you guys about our amazing sponsors over at Skillshare. Skillshare is a one-of-a-kind online learning community where you can learn all types of skills from creative to design to business development and so much more. Men, the reviews are in and people have been experiencing transformation from Skillshare because Skillshare has so many practical courses that you can take today that can benefit you, like how to find your purpose course, like how to start your business course. There's so many things available for free right now on Skillshare. So go to Skillshare.com slash roommates to get your first month for free of charge skillshare.com slash roommate guys don't just be someone who's constantly complaining about life 
Take it into your own hands and build yourself up. Get the skills to become the best version of yourself. Skillshare.com slash roommates. You'll thank me later. And let's get back to this week's episode. That's interesting because I think because, you know, from from talking to your father, obviously, I don't know many remotely as close as you do, <laughs> but uh, but from talking to him, like what what it seemed as though is there was like a. A, a, a life there was like he had like two lives and his first life was respect respected professor but generally speaking he was more of a like if you know him you know him like yeah, all his students knew about him they respect him they value him but then all of a sudden he became like this huge rock star this huge personality way later on in life and so i was always curious to the effects of that on an individual you know, because it's one thing to be, you know, 25 and then all of a sudden you get this new yeah. thing. But when you're getting it later on yeah. in life, I'm like, man, it's a whole other level of development because you're already become as a person. You know, you're kind of I'm not saying you're 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 at your latter years, but you're you're more about to transition to more of a, a more peaceful, hopefully lifestyle, you know, yeah. but now it even gets revved up even more. So I was just wondering when you were growing up, do you, do you feel as though all the teachings of that he was communicating later on in life were those some of the things that you were hearing all the time when you were younger as well oh for sure yeah so i think um, i'll go back and just address what you said about like the the change that yeah. happened i think when kids get famous like you see them get really screwed up yeah. right when they're like you know prepubescent maybe like 10 years old and then up to 18 and they're just confused and fame is really not good for them and then I think maybe there's a good age, like after you're kind of a little bit older, maybe after 25 or something, yeah. you can handle it a little bit better. Mm -hmm. For my dad, it was rough. Like it was pretty rough. And he's said this himself. And I think it was what you were saying, which is, it's just, he's like, I was so used to one way of living, like one life mm -hmm. that I can't understand this one, which is fair because it is pretty weird. Like yeah. it's weird to walk down the street and have people recognize you know, it's weird for the media to portray you as someone who, who you aren't it's hard to wrap your mind around as it is but i think the older you are the harder it is but he hasn't changed like mm -hmm. so when i was little i still got all the lessons that he's teaching people now yeah, yeah, yeah. which which is interesting and the way he lectures too it's yeah. the same way he lectured <laughs> in university classrooms yeah but now he's lecturing on stage yeah but all the ideas that he talks about aren't new aren't new i've been hearing yeah. those although he's come to some new conclusions um but it hasn't changed him and it hasn't changed how he is uh, at home or yeah. like in his personal life either he was always pretty uh eccentric yeah he's always pretty eccentric which isn't something i recognize <laughs> yeah. until probably probably he got more famous and was like oh other dads aren't really like that <laughs> i didn't know that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense i was i was always curious about that because you know i think there was even obviously if there's your here's your dad you gotta dig about 20 meters under the earth and there's me but <laughs> in regards to how my life and my trajectory has gone yeah like i was a teacher in my early 20s in, in Texas, because I moved here after I graduated college and I started coaching football out here. So I was a teacher in my early 20s and now in my 30s, all of a sudden, you know, the podcast blew up and, you know, a lot of life has changed. But all the lessons that, 
you know, I was teaching to my students who were 12 and 13 in middle school. Now they're like 22, 24. And I'm meeting these guys and they're like, yo, these are the same exact principles that you were telling me before that now I'm seeing everyone's like mind blown. Oh, that's <laughs> that, so cool. You know what I mean? So I, I can only imagine like how you feel or how, you know, is that like you're, these are the foundation that made you as a human being and you were hearing these for all these years. Now all of a sudden, like there's this huge cult following in a good way, <laughs> you know what I mean? Who all these ideas are like the most radical things in the world in a good, in a positive. And obviously there's extremists who paint your dad and we won't even talk about those idiots, but the positive <laughs> people who understand what he's saying, like, I think it's pretty dope that the, the things that you were grow, growing up with are the things that you see are now transforming the world. Yeah, it's weird. It <laughs> yeah. is pretty weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even going to shows, it's pretty weird because <laughs> like growing up, I did, he did teach me about, you know, different mythological stories, the psycho psychological significance of the Bible. And yeah. like those were conversations we had at home. And he goes on like longer lectures now, but yeah. like that was what happened at the dinner table. Yeah, And I just thought, Wow, if you grow up in that, I had like I had no idea yeah, yeah, that yeah. anybody else did anything differently. And I think until I was twenty three, mm. yeah, which is late, you'd yeah. think. But no, that makes I don't know. That, no, that makes sense because even for me, it's like my I I consider my dad a rock star. You probably I know you consider your dad a rock star, and. I remember growing up, I just thought everyone's dad was like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know? So I could only imagine, like you said, and then you eventually start meeting people and experiencing life and like, whoa, you didn't get life lessons every five minutes yeah, <laughs> yeah. growing up, you know? So wh wh how did that realization happen for you? Okay, so when I was in grade six, I not discovered eBay, but like for myself, I yeah. discovered eBay. I was yeah. like, whoa, you can get really cheap things <laughs> and, yeah. yeah so it's like okay ebay's great i was like dad like get a load of ebay like yeah. this is awesome uh you can buy gold like you can buy all these things on ebay and so he starts so then he, he went on ebay and he started buying soviet art mm. because you couldn't get art out of the soviet union for you couldn't get out art out of the soviet union when it was the soviet union yeah. and then people had these stores of amazing paintings like in garages and attics that they couldn't sell mm. and so when ebay came around and people in behind the wall kind of figured out ebay they started selling art and dad was like okay i'm gonna snatch up like all the art <laughs> i possibly can because this is gonna be worth a bunch in the future and he spent like a large portion of each day for like a couple of years looking at Soviet <laughs> Union art and our house ended up completely filled with art, which oh, drove wow. my mom crazy. <laughs> but by completely filled, I mean there were gaps like this big between the paintings. Oh my god! So at one point we counted 104 paintings. My brother and I went around counting oh. paintings. Uh, so I think it first occurred to me when I went over to other people's houses and I was like, we had 37 different paint colors on the walls. So each room had like five or six different paint colors yeah. and it was covered in paintings. There were paintings on the ceiling in some rooms. Oh my like, gosh. Yeah, it was wild. We had masks on the walls and things. <laughs> Um, I came home from university one time, I was lying in bed and a painting of Lenin fell on me. <laughs> and I was just, so I think going to other people's houses and then yeah. seeing what it looked like and being like, this is plain. Yeah. That's kind of weird. Yeah. So that was when it first occurred to me, probably mm. bef before the fame. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so what's interesting I didn't realize this until recently. Now we're starting to, now we get into the, the a little deeper into the conversation. 
not only is is your father what's interesting is not only is your father vastly misrepresented by the media i didn't know up until recently how misrepresented you were yeah i literally I, I i was i i'm usually pride myself about being very tapped into internet culture but it wasn't until recently and hearing some of the things you were talking about i was like i did not know she was being misrepresented by the media and so what would you say are some of the misrepresentations of you that you're consistent you've been consistently here within the past couple of years so i think at the beginning it was <clears throat> that i was selling this all meat diet that i'm on which i'm not because it's really hard to make money off of telling people to they could potentially change their diet to eating meat mm -hmm. not, right so so that was part of it was like oh she's lying about that like i had the media say i'd made up having like i, I was like i have my hip replaced my <laughs> ankle replaced like i've got scars like yeah. this isn't a, a story it's not like my knee hurt now mm -hmm. it doesn't hurt anymore uh so that was the beginning but that's kind of understandable if you come across someone who's like i only eat meat it's yeah. like okay i get it <laughs> yeah, i get yeah, it yeah. fair enough um, and then my family got really sick. So my mom got cancer and my dad ended up on after stopping the antidepressants, which we'd both been taking for a long time, um, went into antidepressant withdrawal, which we didn't know was a thing. And he got stuck on benzodiazepines. So literally couldn't stop taking them without going into severe withdrawal. And it wasn't like, I want more. It was like physical, like a horror show from physical withdrawal. Mm. And um the medical system didn't know what to do with him hmm. so like at all we went to specialists and they kept trying to take the medication away but you can't do it if someone's stuck if they've physically adapted to taking it hmm. right um it's dangerous to take it away that quickly and so i started researching because i had gone through really severe antidepressant withdrawal and was like that's what it looks like hmm. like oh like dad's really sick and he was really sick like it it was really bad. He was completely out of commission. And and we went to a bunch of different doctors, a bunch of different hospitals, and nobody helped. Like, they made it worse. Mm. Uh, and he ended up getting stuck in a hospital in, in Canada. And I ended up kind of taking on the responsibility of getting him better because I was like, I've been through the medical system for like 15 years. I know when you get a doctor and they don't know what they're doing mm -hmm. because they're just people, yes. right? Um and I'm going to kind of put my life on hold and try and figure this out because my mom had just recovered from cancer. And I was like, she can't deal with, I don't know where, I don't know how cancer works, but I was like, this cannot be good for her seeing yeah. her husband like this. And so I kind of took on that resp responsibility and dad disappeared for a while. Yeah. So he was like completely out of commission for almost two years. Yeah. Really bad. And I've been running his like brand, like I said, so that's PR and social media and helping produce the podcast. And I was like, how are you supposed to explain this to the public? So not only did I have to deal with dad being sick and my family being pretty destroyed by it, but I'd be like, what's like this? How do you explain this? Mm -hmm. um, and I think because we kind of disappeared for a while, um, I got a lot of flack online. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of people who were like, oh yeah, she's taken over her brand. Uh, her dad's brand she's i don't know like it twitter was a nasty twister twitter can be a nasty place yeah, so there's a lot of just like me 
the portrayal was me going out and partying and taking over dad's brand and forcing him on an all meat diet while he's sick. Mm. And that was like, normally I don't really care about things online, but because my parents were so sick, I was like, this is bad. Like this hurts. And if he doesn't get better, then I'm going to get blamed, which is really screwed up because this is not my fault at all. Uh, And I'm just trying hard to make things right. Fortunately, um, fortunately he's better now. And that took, it took two years of trying to figure out how to get somebody off of benzodiazepines without them experiencing akathisia, mm-hmm. um, which is something people should know about because there are a lot of people on psych meds and they're really hard to get off of. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I seem to have navigated that and dad's better and now he's on tour yeah. and that's over. But I think the mis- misrepresentation in the media, part of it is that I'm this like controlling person that's taking advantage of my dad when that's not the case at all. Mm. No, yeah, that's interesting because I think you know, when your dad first started getting sick, that's when I first reached out to you and you were always somebody who was always so responsive and, you know, I was, you know, to give me occasional updates and, you know, send prayers to the family. So in my mind, I was just like, this is just a, an amazing daughter taking care of her family. And like, there was always a sense of like, from our conversation, the brief text conversations, always a sense of just like, you just care, you know, like you were just like, like this was nothing of your fault, you know? And so upon you know months later you know that your father's getting better better you know people are talking to me about him getting healthier you're telling me he's getting better you know then i met jordan you know after you know rebecca had her child and you know set up the podcast so in my brain i was just like oh wow like everything just seemed like it's going good until recently you know i was watching a video with you on it we can talk a little bit more about that later but and then you were just saying how people were blaming you for what happened with your father (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, there's a lot of crazy deductions I can see happen in life. You know what I mean? Like, I can kind of understand why you would assume A, B, and C for some ideas. But I was like, how do you guys think she's trying to harm her own? Like, how demonic of a <laughs> child you think Jordan Peterson raised that his own daughter would be trying to do this to him? And And so to me... It was, I don't know, it was just it was just so fascinating how the internet and these narratives can just so falsely especially for people to be Jordan Peterson fans, know how he's falsely portrayed yeah. by the media and totally opposite of everything he stands for by the wrong by the media. And then for you to do the same thing to his daughter, that to me was just like, how in the world does that even add up? Yeah, that's strange. I don't know if it was dad's fans exactly. I mm. think it's more convenient for people who are like, oh, no, he's a charlatan mm. or he's teaching values, but he doesn't stand by them mm. because look at his daughter. Mm. Like, I get that a lot online. It's yeah. like, oh, don't take him seriously because look at his daughter. Yeah. What? But what? <laughs> and, 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 and this is the point where I'm just like, okay, what? is making these guys upset so much about what you're doing. Yeah, that is a very good question. Like, what kind of person do you have to be to be angry at somebody's daughter? Yeah. Especially as a man, Yeah. just to put it out there, it's a little weird. Yeah. I don't know what. It feels like some kind of jealousy, relationship jealousy or something, Mm. because I'm pretty close with my... Like, my family's pretty close altogether. Yeah. I think if, if I was to guess... 
I think there's a idea, and this get and now we're getting into some of the uh, other parts of the internet. But there, there is an idea of how a man should be in a lot of people's minds, and I think your father's ideals represent a lot of what a man should be in a very um, traditional sense. You know, taking responsibility, providing, protecting, being a leader, being dangerous in a good way. All these good virtues that for those people who have that traditional bent, there's this idea where, oh, they like that message. So I think what they're, they're thinking is that, okay, that traditionalist type of guy, which your father is not as, you know, traditionally conservative as they think he is, but that traditional kind of guy should have a daughter. Yeah, yeah, who's, yeah. Who's like this Amish princess. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? like, yeah. Who's just so reserved, who's so this, who's so that, who does. And so I think there, there's like a disconnect with who they expect you to be because of the way they view maybe the values your, your dad is teaching. I think that is spot on, yeah. actually. Yeah. I don't think I've thought about that before. I think that's spot on. And it's funny because so my dad got written up a lot for being like, oh, he's a well, whatever. He's anything. But yeah. like a misogynist was one of them. Yeah. And I was like, that's most definitely not true. Right. Like. When he had grad students, he had female grad students. Not like he only prioritized male grad students. And I mean, he put me in charge of like of his brand, yeah. right? And and he, it's like I didn't do that. He asked for help, like a whole bunch of help, and then mm -hmm. I helped him. Mm -hmm. So I think that's right. And but I I kind of understand, I guess, where people are coming from because he does put forward like traditional ideals which i think are are valuable because i think that's i think it's valuable and i think myself i've had a hard time like navigating relationships and being being female but somebody who's also more inclined to do more business and have her own podcast and things which i don't think is the traditional yeah. um traditional woman yeah. so i can see how people get confused by that online yeah. yeah for sure and and to me it's also you know all these ideas are fun because i look at it like even even a even a, a man who's a very strong leader um you are you older than your brother yeah yeah so a man who's a very strong leader who's competent who's successful who's driven all his values if he's a half decent enough father will go to his children and especially if he has daughters and they're the oldest daughters. Oh. You know what I mean? Those those values would be embodied in her as well. So I've seen, you know, yeah. that, you know even like yeah. kind of even with the the whole like Trump Ivanka dynamic where it's like that that girl, I am I expect her to be driven. I expect her to be a go-getter. I expect her to embody that spirit of assertiveness, you know, that her father has as well. And so I think there's a part where a lot of people don't realize what, how did you expect her to grow up? If her father was, was always teaching independence and, and responsibility and proactivity, yeah. like how did you expect her to grow up? You know what I mean? Like you expect her to be this, this nun? Like, and, and, you know, and so that's where, to me, it made sense why you were such a, a independent, in a positive way, go-getter person. It made sense to me. 
Um, but I think for people who don't understand what it's like to have a father, because my dad's like that, and he gave my 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 sister that DNA as well. So I understand that, but I guess for people who don't understand that, that's what confuses them, and that's when they think, oh, she's going against her family value. She's going against this and doing her own thing and rebelling and partying and doing that, that, and third, because they just think that you're the opposite of the idea of a woman that they believe a Dr. Jordan Peterson should raise. That was good. I'm a critical psychologist. That was too. really good. <laughs> that was really good. I think I think that's exactly right. Yeah. I also like Instagram isn't an ideal way to portray yourself. Yeah. Like yeah. I'll post one picture of me yeah. drinking one time and it's like she parties all the time. Yeah. It's like I I work all the time. Like yeah. I work all the time. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I need to not do that as much. Right. Yeah. But if you only get an idea of a person from their social media platform and then they post stupid photos sometimes, yeah. then that's not ideal. Yeah. And, and to me, I think, you know, I, what blows my mind is I'm always I'm always interested in like. If you as an individual understand. How a picture is a small snapshot of someone's life. Why do you then judge an entire individual's life off of a few pictures online? And I think that's where I'm excited about this episode because I think for the first time, a lot of people who unfortunately might judge you off of a picture or, or off of a story that someone else told will actually get to meet you for the first time. And I think that's something that um, a lot of people in society, they don't do, they just, they take media portrayals of other individuals and they judge them off of that without giving those individuals the opportunity to show you who they really are instead of you to come into the situation with these preconceived notions and perceptions. Yeah. Part of the reason, um, part of the reason I started growing a social media, like following was because of this meat thing. Yeah. I had so many negative articles written that were just like, oh, this crazy girl and her meat diet. And I was like, <clears throat> how am I supposed to address this? Yeah. It's like the media. But fortunately, if you work now, you can, weirdly enough, become your own media. And then mm -hmm. you can be like, oh, no, you said this, but here's the truth. Yeah. Right? When oh, the last year, so dad was still in pretty rough shape. He was recovering, but he was in pretty rough shape. And um, his publishers were like, oh, you should talk to the Sunday Times. They've reached out. They're going to do a really fair portrayal of what happened and we and it was pretty stressful because we were going over medical experiences and like life and death situations with this reporter and I was like we should record this like, I, I don't know we should record this that. so we were we recorded it we didn't get video unfortunately but we recorded it and the article came out and it was awful mm. and because dad was still sick I was really upset mm -hmm. because they painted him as like this weird weak like sick old man that doesn't have any control over his life, which is the opposite of what, you know, he's teaching people to do. Mm -hmm. And then they went after me for some reason and painted me as this controlling, like weird Barbie person. Mm. It's like evil Barbie person, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is kind of funny, but it, at the time it wasn't funny. Yeah. And I was like, this is awful. But then we were able to put up the recording and I made a video in response and it got like a million views. Yeah. I was like, okay, good. So it's it's nice that people are able to like fight back a bit yeah. by having their own media. But that's the end. I think that's part of the reason 
I started the entire thing was because there were negative media articles and I was like, I don't have a voice. Yeah, man. No, this is, this is, it's, it's something that I'm, you know, I'm always, I'm always so fascinated about when, cause I remember, um, I just think the internet, when people, when most people know about somebody online, they usually know about them from a, a viral moment, mm-hmm. right? So like your dad, it would be, he's a misogynist, quote unquote, because they watched the Kathy Newman interview. Mm-hmm. And because Kathy Newman was so upset, she's a woman, he made a woman upset. They're, you know, so there's all yeah. these stupid conclusions where it's like, if you look at the whole, if you f- watch the whole interview, and then you watch his other interviews, and then you watch his other content, you will be able to understand who this person really is. So I think what happens is when people find somebody, I, I've, I'm guilty of this as yeah, well. They, they find a, a, a viral clip and that, and they'll take whatever 30 seconds, 60 seconds, 90 seconds, and they'll paint your entire personality off of that clip alone. Yeah. And then they will not, because they now view as this charlatan, whatever it is, they're like, well, I'm not going to watch this other stuff. Yeah. I don't want to support him. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's this weird thing where it's like, you misrepresent me. And because you misrepresent me, then you're no longer going to watch anything yeah. about me. So where I can clarify myself to you. Yeah. That's why, that's why like disinformation, in the media is so dangerous yeah. too, because people make these snap decisions, which is reasonable because you can't just sit down and think about everybody you meet all the time. You yeah. have to kind of judge off of the information you have. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I certainly did that. Yeah. I did that all the time. Like until dad cut, like got famous i did that to celebrities yeah for sure i'd mm-hmm. look in and be like oh what are they doing complaining about fame or like you know why did they do that even though looking back like it obviously that's like these stories aren't true mm-hmm. but it didn't switch in my head until i was walking down the street in toronto when this first happened and dad was on the cover of a newspaper like the metro which is what i read on the subway on the way oh, to wow. school yeah. he was on the cover and it said something Fuhrer, right? Oh, wow. Which was just a, a play on a term for Hitler. Yeah. And I was like, what? Dad? Dad, yeah, dad. <laughs> I, like, I can remember, like, yeah. I didn't know he was going to be on there. And yeah. certainly not some sort of Fuhrer anyway. Yeah. I was like, is everything I ever read in the Metro a lie? Yeah. And then I was like, is it every newspaper? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Crazy. Yeah. No, I think, like, it's unfortunate because until it happens to you or someone close to you, you don't have the empathy for individuals online. You don't have the empathy for people who are in the public light because it takes for you to see how quickly or how easy it is to misrepresent somebody till you really start questioning certain things. I've had so many friends who would tell me, oh, I don't like this person. I'm like, okay, what did you not like about this person? Well, I saw this one video that they did. I didn't like it. I was like, well, did you watch anything else by this person besides this one video that triggered you? But no, it's like one trigger, one thing I don't like, one Instagram picture of Michaela, one post from the roommates, one you know interview with Dr. Jordan Peterson, and then all of a sudden, I don't like this person, and therefore, I'm not going to watch anything else that they do. Then on top of that, I'm going to continuously... Um, you know, perpetuate more negative ideas about them versus being rational and saying, okay, if I saw piece A about somebody and I want to form a conclusion, if I'm going to form a public conclusion, at least do the due diligence to do your research. 
Yeah. That's just my thing. Yeah. If you can have a public conclusion and and say disparaging things about somebody, at least do your due diligence and actually research this person in totality instead of just reading sensational clips online. But for so many people, it's just so much easier just to believe the headlines. Yeah. Yeah. I've been telling people, and this has been my thing for a while, it's just like, don't believe anything. Like when I, when this diet helped my autoimmune disorder, like fixed me, I was like, okay what mm-hmm. like that's a thing that can happen yeah it's like okay so then i stopped really believing it was like how, well what else does the medical community not know if you can treat some of these things with diet for some people it's like that's crazy so then I, I stopped believing in that and then it was like well what about the government isn't real right mm-hmm. and it, it just and then the media when that happened to my dad i was yeah. like okay so the media is a lie and it was like three kind of pillars that i believed in just crumbled and I was like, well, then is anybody who says they know what they're talking about, do they actually know? Mm. And then it, it turns out like most people who sound like they know what they're talking about also don't know what they're doing. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. does anybody know what they're <laughs> yeah, doing? Yeah, and yeah. I maybe that's just something. What do you think? Is that just something you recognize when you get older when you're like, yeah, do you really know what you're doing though? Or are you just talking it, big It was words? so funny when you, when you brought up the doctor point, that's exactly how I feel about doctors. when you said i was like that's exactly how i feel because when someone says they're a doctor something happens in your brain where you're like genius yeah 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 expert he knows it all yeah trust but then respectfully as you get older you have friends that go to medical school (laughs) (laughs) and then you have friends that become doctors and like that idiot's a doctor. <laughs> you just were able to sit in school, memorize facts. Yeah. You know? And so then you start realizing that even with being a doctor, everything in life has competencies. Yeah. No, there's no field, because I was a teacher. There's no field where everybody is a is an expert, the most competent in the yeah. world. You have highly competent yeah very little (laughs) low competent people and so yes as you get older i feel that way everybody i meet i'm like are you really good at your job (laughs) (laughs) do you really like uh, it's just like because you know how easy it is to just get a job to get a platform to get a job at not saying it's easy but to go through a system to get a job at cnn doesn't mean that you were the best reporter that means you're the best to go through the system yeah you know what I mean? And yeah. so I no, I'm I'm on you. I'm like, I'm at the point now where I, I believe I can do any job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. If they can do that job, you I'd be wanting to do it myself. It's a bad thing, but I, I feel exactly what you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Even with even with social media, because all this is so new. Yeah. You meet people. Well, we were just talking about it before, and I was yeah. like, just like you got like good mic stands, yeah. like things are well set up here. Yeah. It was like you. Most people are just, especially with social media and with podcasting, I think, figuring things out and constantly optimizing. And you're yeah. like, oh, that person's got it all figured out. Yeah. It's like, no, it's <laughs> like treading water. Oh but, my gosh! Yeah, I'm the worst with working with me. I'm the absolute <laughs> worst. I've hired a bunch of people. I fire them because I'm because you know everyone will tell you, oh, Michaela, I'm a YouTube yeah. expert and I can oh, get yeah. you YouTube and this and that and the third. And I'm like, okay, I feel ya. I'll hire you. And then I'm like, well, what are you doing? Yeah. And as a person who's, you know, very competent in what I'm doing, I'm like, that's wrong. That's wrong. You're not really an expert. You're figuring this out. You're doing this. And it's like, 
<laughs> no, yeah, no. I'm the worst when it comes to working with me because, oh man, too many people swear they're experts when they're not. Okay, I get that. I've had that, <laughs> and I've been, I've been trying to like, you know, figure out my dad's social media and yeah. like doing clips and everything. Yeah. And I've been testing. I'll bring people in and test them out on my channel because yeah. the channel's smaller. Be like, okay, if they're you know competent enough, they can move over to my dad's yeah, channel. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, most yeah, it's shocking. It's shocking how competent some people are and how I guess new social media yeah. is. And then when you and know it's funny, it's a funny story that you mentioned that a, a lady reached out to me who told me she um, does um, content for you and your dad. It was the craziest thing. She's like, yeah, I do content for the Petersons, the Saturday and the third. And I was like, a lady. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm to care about this. <laughs> oh, wait, is that art? I, I gotta go through the illustrations. Email. I, they're like, they're like, they do some That's kind of video. Way to work. They do some kind of video where they said they mm. do some like content for you guys. I'm like, oh yeah, that's just not true. I'm like, you know, that's I'm full like, on not true. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I can I can email them, but so people, <laughs> people just text. People do that as well. They they'll tell you they work for so and so so and so, and when they actually don't, you know what I mean? Or that person had a conversation with so and so so and so about potentially working together. You didn't work with them, so oh, I've had this happen too. Yeah. Is someone will make clips and then send them to you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And yes. then they're they're automatically working with you too. Yeah. That. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's it's probably nice. what you did. Yeah. <laughs> God, I gotta show you the email when we finish recording. <laughs> but but no, one of the things that was I didn't know how deep you were into the men's space of YouTube. <laughs> Until I started bringing, seeing you bringing Dr. Robert Glover, who's a rock oh, star. I like Rob. Oh, oh he's great. Gosh, he's such a rock oh, Robert star. Glover's he's great. Such yeah, a sweetheart. Basically. Yeah, he is such a great human being. And I'm seeing. And so, how did you get really deep into a lot of the the men space and men content? I was always interested in that. Like when I first went to university, I was friends with some feminists that were like mm. full on feminists. Yeah. And I was learning some of my courses through like a feminist lens, mm. right? Full on the teachers were like, we're going to learn, you know, Homer. That really pissed me off. <laughs> Homer through a feminist oh lens. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I was also paying for my own university. So I was like, yeah. this is not what I paid for. Yeah. Um, and so I bought a bunch of books that were um, like the biological differences between men and women. And I bought a whole bunch of pro-feminist books too, just mm. to see what I was missing there and some men's rights books. Just I just read everything I could read. Yeah. Uh, and then, so I was always interested in that. And then, and I guess that's just continued. And my dad talks about, well, and it's fascinating, right? Because there's, there are, there are definitely differences between men and like huge differences between men and women. But even the way I've grown up, like I know my, my sister-in-law, for instance, she's really like feminine and focused on, you know, babies. And she's really focused on that. And I was like, why am I not like that as much? Like, mm -hmm. is there something wrong with me? Like, um, why do I like, you know, want to accomplish things, want to do work when there are women that, not that they don't want to accomplish things, but they just have different goals. And I was like, well, that's really interesting. And then I like, I've always been interested in the differences in personality. Like why do some people want to go out and talk to people? Or why do some people want to have a podcast? And why are some people okay with sitting at home and watching TV all the time? Yeah. I was like, so I found all this stuff really interesting. And so bringing people like Robert Glover on, it was like, well, he's figured out some things about how to help like men mm -hmm. have proper relationships with women, which is f a fascinating topic too. Yeah. And what you're taught 
you know, generally isn't exactly what works or mm-hmm. like being a nice, that's what he talks like, yeah. no more Mr. Nice Guy, right? Yeah. Being a nice guy for as a man doesn't work. And right. I think I recognize that from like dating people and being like, I don't like, like I'm not attracted to that kind of person. Yeah. Why is that? And then, you know, the evolutionary causes about why you might, women might not be as attracted to like nice guys. Yeah. And so I I don't exactly, I think I just got wrapped up in it because I find it really really yeah. interesting yeah no it, it is it is a different a definitely interesting space because i think a lot of people don't because some because most men are not vocal as vocal as women are a lot of people are not aware of how many guys really struggle in the silence which is why your dad is such a rock star because so many men feel like lost and confused and hurt and and distraught and so to have a guy like your dad come about and give you guidance and give you directions. It's like you've been wanting this your whole life. So I think in regards to the men's space, especially for helping them in positive ways, like a guy like Dr. Robert Glover, what your father is doing. Yeah, it's a lot of people when they when they first find out about it, they're like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, wow, there's a lot of people here. But they're not really aware of how many guys are dealing with, especially relationship issues, dealing with that consistently, um, but they just do it in the silence and they're not as public and writing books and you yeah. know, as women are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, whatever's happening at, at the moment is, is problematic. Right. And I've, I've had a lot of girlfriends too, that are just, people don't really want to settle down. It looks, it kind of seems like, or the negatives associated with being in a relationship are overblown. The negatives associated, this really makes me unhappy. The negatives associated with having kids mm-hmm. where it's like when I got, pregnant with Scarlett, one of my friends, like good friends was like, your life is over Mm. or this is the biggest mistake you'll ever make type of thing. And it was like, why is that the narrative that people are used to now? I don't think that was the narrative people are used to in the sixties. It was like, oh, you're having a baby. That's a miracle. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, your life is over because what, you can't go do cocaine on the weekends. (laughs) Like what is happening? Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like you most of your friends do you think they they share your views or you think they're more you know left leaning feminist leaning because of obviously being living in canada well so all the schools i went to too were art schools and yeah. so they're yeah. super yeah. left yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so i've had some there were some arguments in high school and things i remember yeah when facebook came around i got into a facebook argument because that was a thing yeah yeah, 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 yeah. with someone about it was about feminism too in high school they're like you're the worst person on the internet it's like (laughs) that's dramatic (laughs) but so for friends um i had a tricky time making girlfriends up until more recently Mm -hmm. Uh, and i think that's because a lot of the people i was associating with were super left leaning and i was just like disagreeable and like yeah. argumentative and so that doesn't make like very good friends yeah um now most of my friends it's hard like i have a lot of friends from social media now yeah so a lot of my podcasting friends have pretty similar views to me mm-hmm. but that's pretty new yeah everybody kind of back from toronto i'd say pretty center but a little bit more left like mm-hmm. i definitely have disagreements with yeah um some of my friends back there yeah so hard to say so I know you you you've you've gotten really deep into the men's space and the men's dating space with like even the some of the crazy red pill content and all types of uh, foolishness that goes on about in that space. What 
how did you find that? And like, what has been your experience seeing it, learning it, hearing about it, all that stuff? Uh, okay. The red pill space. Are you talking about Rolo? Yeah. All, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like all those, like all that content over there. Cause I feel like, I think you were talking about, especially in the interview to how you, you were researching it and you were learning about it and you were curious about it. Like, I was just curious. Like, how did you, I think it make. I have an idea of how you got there, but I'm curious to like, you know, how did you really get there? And then like, what is some of like your, your, your thought process about just some of that type of content? Okay. Well, I think specifically for Rolo Tomasi, I'd heard of the rational male. I think I heard about it in high school. Interesting. Yeah. I, I think that was the first time I heard it mentioned. So I, and I just heard, you know, certain people bring it up, you know, whenever. And I was like, okay, well, that's interesting. If he's doing the same, I didn't know very much about him. I was like, if he's doing the same thing that like Robert Glover is doing, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, but that was kind of my thinking. I was like, if he's doing that kind of, <laughs> that kind of thing, like maybe that'd be an interesting podcast. Yeah. So I think it was just like naivety. <laughs> so I hadn't actually like sat down. I don't actually really watch podcasts. Like okay. I have a podcast, but I don't really watch podcasts yeah. uh, or listen to podcasts. So I think it may be just naivety. Yeah. And it was like, I thought it was kind of the same thing. It was like, oh, if you're teaching men to take more responsibility and just, I like, I, I understand like the hatred towards men that's kind of going on on the left. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, if it's not that and you're, then that's good. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I just didn't do my research properly. Mm. What has been like after, you know, the conversation after doing more research, what are some of the things that you you've come to realize about some of that space? I'm just curious how how you've processed it. I think that for like the serious like red pill, depending on the person, but some of those people are angry, like really angry. Like usually when I have a, a conversation with someone and I'll bring like left wing people on the podcast too. And generally speaking, I can have a conversation with anybody and generally speaking we leave feeling like okay that was a reasonable conversation and with Rolo in particular it was like that didn't feel nothing about that felt good we didn't leave on the same level at all Mm -hmm. uh and I think some of those people are there's some like anger towards women going on and that's the criticism red pilled community gets to it's like why do you hate women but like and, and initially, I thought that was kind of a misrepresentation in the media, like everything else is yeah. a misrepresentation. But I think that there are some red-pilled people that really don't like women. And you can see by, like, you can see it pretty clearly. Yeah. And it's not for the betterment. Like, teaching people that all women are a certain way or all men are a certain way, uh, I don't think that that's going to actually make people make things better make people get along better yeah yeah no that makes sense i think um you know my experience in the men's space i've been i've been just i've i I watch everybody i i I try to read almost everything you know and you know there's there's good and bad everywhere and there's extreme you know red pill there's extreme all this stuff Mm. and and i don't i don't want to paint everybody in the same light but to me, the most fascinating thing is like if you were to pick like uh, I would I would really describe it as like the the enemy of a red pill guy is a is like a left wing feminist. That's like his arch rival. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? yeah. But if you let a, a left wing feminist tell you about men and what men do to women and how men behave and what men are like, 
and you were to change the word man with woman. Yeah, it sounds exactly exactly yeah. the same. It's exactly the same. It's the exact same. And so one of the one of the advantages of, of what we did was in the year 2019, we went on tour with one of my mentors who's actually a female dating coach. So he, um, besides Matthew Huss, he's like the, the largest female dating coach in the world. What's his name? Stefan Labossier. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll show you his social media. He has like 5 million followers around the social media. He's cool. really, really well-respected. Well and he's a very positive person. And so, um, so Stefan, you know, he's this rock star. We, I was on tour and I was a video guy. So I wasn't teaching. I wasn't lecturing. I was just, just recording and observing. And then you would see some of these women, the, the, the ones who've been hurt, the ones who have, who have this very dogmatic belief, you see them share it and you see them express their, their hurt and their anger towards oh. men. And, and what happens is when you, when you get hurt, all of a sudden you look for, you look for validation for your hurt. So now when you see somebody do something right, you don't notice it. But when you see someone do something wrong, you notice it. So for example, yeah. they can see 50 guys open their doors for their wife, they won't notice that. But they see one guy yelling and screaming at his wife, they notice that, and it, and it, and it reinforces their beliefs. Mm -hmm. And so I would notice, I'll be like, dang it, and I, we would try to talk to the women, be like, yo, there's, there's so much more to men than what the media paints it. And you try to open their eyes, and they're stuck. They're not listening to you, they're stuck in their ways. And then, you know, doing what we're doing for men, you see that you're like you're just like her. These women that we would meet on tour who were hurt, who were bitter, who were nihilistic, who were bent on all men are like this and this is how they are, and they're here to hurt women and screw you over. Like, and you see these guys like that. And it was just it was it was really interesting and, and it's and it's really upsetting to be honest with you. Yeah, it's really sad yeah, too. Yeah. People are better with somebody else, I yeah. think. It's hard to be alone. Like life is tricky. Life yeah. is hard. Um, it is sad. That's interesting that you could see people open up like that. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think to me, it's just like when you, when it, it, with guys in that, that far red pill space, when you tell them they're, you guys are hurt men, yeah, that's, they, it triggers them Yeah, because it makes them feel like you're emasculating them. But I think we don't understand like what hurt means to be hurt is to be human. And a lot of times when you have a, a visceral attitude towards somebody, it usually comes when you really value and love a person. So I always say that's why some of your arguments with your siblings are some of the most contentious or a spouse mm. contentious. Because the more you feel, the more you potentially can idolize someone, the more you can potentially demonize individual as well. So with a lot of these guys, it's like they put so much into women and into all women. So I don't want to say women, into all women. And when that woman hurts him in any way, shape, whether it's, you know, something as simple as she just didn't want him because she wasn't interested to where she hurt him or cheated on him. Now that creates this anger and, and hurt animosity towards everybody to where now you go online and all you want to do is hear stories that confirm what you felt, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and we would even see with, even with our channel, we could do a video about, you know, we do videos to help men, you know, pick the right person also to avoid the wrong person. But all my friends in the space will tell you, you get 10x of views emphasizing negative traits than you do emphasizing the positive traits because so many people yeah. just want to sit in the negativity. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. Even even for thumbnails, I know that if you put something like how to you know put something negative on the thumbnail, yeah, it's not like how to become hotter. It's like how to become less ugly. Yeah, I mean, that's a bad example, but that example. one will make yeah. the the ugly one will make will get more views. People are also evolutionarily predisposed to avoiding negativity, right? So it just anything negative is going to stand out. I think people remember negative experiences more 100%. too. So that makes sense. Yeah, because and then people don't realize and 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 I and I was trying to explain I try to explain to the guys in my audience the capitalistic nature behind some of the red pill content. And 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 the, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm curious what why did that why did that flicker in your mind? I'm curious. Oh about well, when I when I had the conversation with Rollo and I was like, I had an issue with your thumbnail. You're like, you made a thumbnail. I was comparing comparing me to someone who'd killed their child. Yeah. And I was like, that I didn't like that. That wasn't very nice. Yeah. Right. And he was like, yeah, but it gets he like full on said it gets more clicks. You know how YouTube is. Yeah. And I was like, well, okay. But like, maybe that's a little bit far, right? Mm -hmm. Like I get it. He's like, well, yeah, but I know how to make thumbnails and like people want to see people argue online. Yeah. And he was like full on, full on said, oh, he makes up stories, kind of makes up or plays into stories or makes these comparisons to get more views because people like that type of content. And I was like, well, people like, like, I don't just because people like to, to watch that kind of thing doesn't yeah. mean that you should be devoting your life to making that kind of content. Like what kind of life is that? Yeah, no, that, and, and that's the thing I was, I try to explain guys as a person who, you know, obviously I don't affiliate myself with the red pill manners for any of the other stuff but as a person who has a lot of friends in the space and they tell me everything. Like if anyone's in the space who makes significant amount of money, I know them personally. Mm, and, interesting. and, and we talk about everything. And one thing is clear as day is that they, I remember I was watching a video with Logan Paul and Logan Paul made a point where he's saying there's a difference between making good content and making good YouTube content because you can make a good video, but if it's not, you know, effects well and thumbnail well and titled well, yeah. it won't do well on yeah. YouTube. doesn't mean it's not a good video. This just means that to do good on YouTube, you know, you must know how to hack YouTube and hack the audience's mind via YouTube. And so a lot of the people, they realize I can either do YouTube hacky videos and make 50,000 a month, or I can do more positive, good content and make 10. When you're young or when you're just trying to just, you, when you're really just making content for money, why would you why would you sacrifice forty thousand dollars? You know, so a lot of people in the mm. space is like they know there's just this this three, four, five X of money. I can I can tell it to you for a fact. I know if I wanted to make money, there's a certain kind of video. I know for a fact if I do it, it's going to make money. But that video will perpetuate the negativity that a lot of guys feel. Yeah. Then that performs the best. Oh, that's tricky. That's no? really tricky. I've been trying for, for thumbnail optimization because yeah. my dad um, titles all his videos. And I was like, Dad, like, I get where you're coming from, as, but <laughs> this isn't going to work. Like, you've got a, an excellent podcast here, but it should be getting four times as many views. 
the thumbnail's not optimized, the title's not optimized. Can we just do a like a little bit catchier? Yeah. It's a little bit catchier. And there's this really fine line yes. between like well, I I mean I I've just decided I if I do content that's like I don't do content that I don't like to do for money because that makes me feel bad mm -hmm. and money doesn't make me feel better than that bad feeling. Yeah. So I just like can't do that, right? And uh, my dad's the same way. I think I I get it though, especially for younger people. That's that's tricky to navigate because it's a game, right? More yeah. than it's like, yeah, look how much money I made. It's not, oh, I'm perpetuating a negative stereotype and making the entire world a little worse, right? 100%. It's just like I'm making a bit, I'm making money. Exactly, and that point that you brought up is is especially true for the younger guys. I know a lot of guys in the space. You know, there's the older guys. You know, like the ones you described, but a lot of the guys in the space will have a large audience. They're the younger guys. And when you're young, you don't really have that that responsibility for what you're putting out. It's kind of like yeah. it's kind of like being a, a you view yourself as a musician. If you a musician knows, even though it's just art, you're influencing how people think. But in your brain, it's just always oh, just music, right? So you can put out whatever content, whatever picture to be able to sell albums. And we all know that's relatively like. That's not helpful for society in the long run. You painting a negative picture of life just to make money. Yeah, but they do it. And so in a content creator space, a lot of the guys, the difference is that music subconsciously educates you. But a lot of people don't realize their content is explicitly educating other people. People are going here to learn about the truth. And if you're going to teach someone the truth, you have to teach them the good the bad and the ugly. You can't just only show the ugly of life. Same with the women, like the feminists, the extreme feminists, there's enough bad things men have done in society to paint men to be the worst species to ever walk the face of the earth. There is enough. If you wanna find all those contents, and I've always uh, uh, likened it to, um, in 2011, um, when the World Trade Center got crashed, when the buildings got crashed, um, my name is Hafiz. Hafiz means one of memorizes the Quran. At that time, I was I had a lot of uh, Muslim friends. Oh. And I remember when that happened, all the Muslim guys, after that one event, everybody, they, like, they, would, they had to leave school. Some of the guys had to leave school. They didn't go to school for a week. People were, some people were randomly you, you beating You were in New York, huh? too? You were in... I left New York at that time. I was actually in I was actually in uh, Atlanta at this time. Okay. But imagine if I was in New York, it was only escalated. My yeah. friends in New York were telling me like, "Yo, like some people they literally did not go to school for that entire month cuz they knew like there was I such even in even in Toronto, mm. even in Toronto that happened and that was Canada." Yeah. Yeah. And so I so at that moment I realized that if if all if all you see cuz most people don't especially around the country don't really meet or interact with Muslims. If all you saw from a Muslim is him blowing up a building, now every time you see them, you're going to have that correlation to think terrorist criminal blow up the building. I remember I had so many people would tell me like that, you know, as a Muslim, you couldn't pray. If you had to pray in the airport, you couldn't pray anymore. There was a time where you could go, maybe go into the corner and pray at the airport. You could not pray in the airport if you were a Muslim from 2001 probably to even now like it's 
because people would see you, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. praying uh, a lock bar. You know, they're like, yeah. I'm not getting on a plane with them because of a few media videos and, and, and examples of extreme people who did bad things. So what I found is like a lot of that content online, that's what it's doing to men. It's showing them the absolute worst things that women do to people. And now that shapes their brains to now feel that negative emotion, that negative correlation whenever they interact or hear stories about women. Yeah, that's spot on. Yeah. I've been telling my followers, and I think this is just important for people to do, is if what you're viewing on social media is making you feel worse, mm -hmm. then you have to stop looking at it, right? Because you end up in, social media also caters to what you click on. Yes. So if you're like, okay, this was kind of interesting and it's this clickbaity video that makes your outlook of the world more negative, it's just gonna keep showing you those things because you press on them. And so you have to think about how you want your life to be, mm -hmm. right? And probably surrounding yourself with resentful people, whether or not you're in the like red pill community or on the, the like way over on the left, mm -hmm. if it's making you resentful, especially towards like, well, towards anybody, but towards the opposite sex too, whom you're going to have a relation, going to have to have a relationship with. If you want to have a family, maybe you shouldn't be watching content that makes you resentful and then potentially stops you from having a relationship and a family. Yeah. Like maybe watch something more positive, or like it's kind, of, it's important, right? Yeah. Especially for kids or teenagers who get into it early, or like yeah. young people. Yeah. yeah. No, and especially when you think about how many people nowadays are being shaped by the internet, you know, with with the lockdown. So people for the past two years in certain cities, they've they've never they've never been outside, you know. And so be, for that very reason, now yeah. their, their, their whole worldview is being shaped by the internet, and that's why it's important for them to find the balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, Michaela. I thoroughly enjoy talking to you today. <laughs> Thank you. It's so nice to finally meet uh, of you. Of course, of course. So where can people find you at? I, my podcast is on YouTube or on podcasting platforms, just Michaela Peterson Podcast. And then I'm on Instagram, Michaela Peterson, and Twitter, uh, Michaela Alexis, because Michaela Peterson didn't fit on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. No problem. Frustrating. No problem. Yeah. So guys, you know how we get down on this podcast. Please, guys, reach out to Michaela. Let her know what about this podcast stood out to you guys. And my hope with this conversation and many more conversations, guys, is whenever you hear about somebody online, actually take time to get to know them. Don't just judge them off of headlines. Don't just judge them off of clickbait videos and titles. Actually take time to get to know them. My name is Hafiz, and I'm joined by... Michaela Peterson, thank you. We are the roommates, and have a great day.